Hey guys, it's Brooke Eagle, and we are back with another episode of the Forsyth Magazine's podcast. And today I have not one, not two, but three special guests from Canon Wealth Management and Canon and Company. I have Chip, Joey, and Barry. Hey guys. Hey, hey Brooke, Brooke, how are you? How are y'all doing? Wonderful. Good. Well, let's go around and I want y'all to briefly introduce yourselves, your name, your title, how long you've been at Canon and Company, what you do, that kind of thing. Thanks, Brooke. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, I'm Joey Perkins. Uh, I'm a CPA, uh, a partner with both Canon and Company and Canon Wealth Management. Uh, I've been with Canon and Company in two different times for something approaching uh, 15 years and about five years with Canon Wealth Management. Awesome. I'm Barry, Barry Ambern, and I've been with uh, with Canon since I was a little boy, it seems like. <laughs> Started my own business in 85 and then merged with Canon Company in uh, 1998 and have been there ever since. Uh, Canon Wealth, as a part of my life, started about 2001 when we as CPAs were allowed to participate in the financial planning arena and get paid for it, which is kind of important, uh, have really loved the business since 2008 when uh, our financial planner, our only full-time employee in Canon Wealth Management, left. And we didn't have the money to hire somebody, so it was time to either fish or cut bait. And that's kind of how this current lifestyle started. Mm-hmm. I like it. And I'm Chip, Chip Wilcox. Um, I'm a partner at Canon Wealth Management. I'm the newest addition to the team. Um, I merged my practice in with Canon Wealth Management last year and very happy to be here and, and really proud of the work we're doing at Canon Wealth and, and of my partners, Joey, Barry. And a quick shout out to Matt Hearn, who is our fourth partner. Wish he could be here with us today. But um, but he's here in spirit, and uh, and hopefully he'll be back in the office here really soon. So you guys have four. There's four partners. There are. Okay, awesome. Well, before we get started with with some questions, I have a pod deck here. So I'm going to put y'all on the spot with a couple of fun questions. You ready? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. What book belongs on everyone's bookshelf? Failing Forward with John Maxwell. Oh, I love John Maxwell. Good one. I like that one. Oh, you want that one? Uh, for me too? <laughs> uh, there is a book called, I'm a, I'm a, I play a lot of golf, and there's a book called... You look like a golfer. Well, well good. <laughs> um, there is a book called Not a Game of Perfect by oh. Bob Rotella. I think it's, it's meaningful for both on the golf course, certainly, but also in life, because few things are perfect. That, that's very true. I like it. One of my favorite books is The Millionaire Next Door by Tom Stanley. just talks about how uh, the people that are out there uh, that look flashy are typically not your millionaires. It's the folks that kind of live a good, normal life but are good savers. And uh, you'd never know they were millionaires, but they are. That is the truth. Yeah. I know, I know a few people exactly like that <laughs> on, both, <laughs> on both ends. Yeah. All right. One more. Okay. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? That's a hard one. Sorry. <laughs> you get to go first. Oh, I, I've got to, I've got to start. Um, 
I think uh, I wish I were a little bit smarter. <laughs> I don't think I'm a dummy, but I realize there are people out there that just have this high level intelligence that I'll never match. And you know, I think if I could change anything about yeah. myself, um, yeah, that that'd probably be it. There you go. I like it. Now you're looking at me. Cause yep. <laughs> I, I think I, I'm trying to change. Uh, since November, uh, my wife and I have been on a, a little bit of a health kick, and uh, we were probably not where we needed to be health-wise, and uh, we've made some good changes. So I think I am changing. Yeah. So. Always be growing. Yep. Yeah, good for you. If I could change any one thing about myself, I think I'd like to be better to people. Sometimes I tend to be a little bit too focused on what's important to me, mm. to the detriment of the folks of my family and my friends and even folks that I don't know at all. But, you know, the fact that you uh, even recognize that tells me that that's not too true if you if you recognize that you are that way. So you must be pretty good to people. <laughs> Thank you. Not bad. I appreciate no. that. Yeah. I think for me, I don't usually answer these, but for me, I would be less impulsive. Impulsivity is terrible trait that I have, but hard, hard to change. Yeah. Okay. So a couple things I want to talk about today. One, the relationship between financial planners and CPAs. I think that this is helpful for listeners. I think it's something that people think they know, but they probably don't know. So who wants to talk about that? Well, I'd love to. Okay. The, because I've walked through this thing, the journey from a CPA to financial planner slash CPA it helped me realize that there are a lot of folks out there in the financial planning arena that know nothing about taxes, and therefore they make some questionable decisions because they don't know the tax implications of what they're doing. By the same token, there are a lot of CPAs out there that don't know anything at all about tax, about financial planning, so they make some questionable decisions because they don't necessarily uh, take the long-term financial impact mm. of a decision into account beyond just its tax effect. Yeah. Yeah, I think financial planners and CPAs typically do have a little bit of a different mindset uh, with money. Very different. <laughs> the one thing I would add, or a thing I would add, would be the the planning aspect of it. You know, Barry and I are right in the middle of tax season, really, still the filing yep. season. Mm. And I see tax returns all the time that have a a large capital gain or a decision made to, to do this or that change to in the account that generates a taxable event. And there was no forethought. And the client shows up in April too late to do anything different. And they've got a tax problem. And yeah. it's nice in the on the Canon side of things to have uh, both sides of that equation working together in unison. You know, I work a lot with our other partner, Matt Hearn. And if Matt's got a question about a client, uh, he comes in my office and asks. And likewise, if I've got a question about something on the tech side, I go ask Matt. Yeah. So it's it's a great dynamic to have and a great opportunity for clients, you know, to be able to benefit from that, both yeah. sides of the equation. I think that's, I mean, I'm sure it's out there, but it, this is the first I've heard of having the opportunity to have your CPA and your financial planner under the same roof. It's pretty rare. I mean, that's like, that's huge because yeah. mine communicate and do well, but it's, yeah, that would be really helpful to have them under the same roof. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, coming from the outside, I didn't really realize how much I didn't know about taxes. And I think that's one of the things that really 
um, made an impact on me is as I started to get around my partners and hear them talk just by osmosis, talk about some of the things that they were doing for clients and the tax implications of that, I started to learn and it, it really has impacted the advice that I give my clients. Um, I think, you know, these guys hit, a, hit the nail right on the head. If, if you have a conversation with the CPA um, uh, of your client prior to making a big decision, I don't see how that's a negative. That's a, that's a positive all the way around. And it's not that uh, tax and financial planning are always going to agree on what the right thing is to do, but at least it's aired out and the client can make the final decision. Yeah. At least there's no big surprises. Yes. Yeah. If I could, there's a, there's a synergy that goes on when you have both of those uh, items in your head. For instance, right now we're in a very low tax rate situation. Tax rates are the lowest they've been in my lifetime. And we're radio, or you would know kind of how old I am. But uh, tax CPAs usually are looking at ways to decrease taxes. But right now, I may be having a conversation with my clients in the next six months I've never had before, telling them that we need to pay more taxes right now because tax rates are so low and the market has been so good and the capital gains that are in their portfolios are so large that we can take advantage of this situation and play into something I've always found to be true. It's not what you make, it's what you keep. Mm. So if we can keep the tax rate down, then we get to keep more of that, uh, of that wealth that we've built up inside of our portfolios. That's good advice, yeah. That's tough for a CPA to say oh, that. Golly. <laughs> oh, golly. hurts me to think it. <laughs> it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Yeah. That's good. That's, I like that. So what are a couple of just big tax mistakes that you see people making over and over? <laughs> you know, I, I guess one, there, I guess maybe strategies that you could mm -hmm. in, maybe include in your, in your tax life. If that's a good way to say it. Uh, charitable giving, I think. And with the increase in the standard deduction under the, the tax law we're, we're operating under right now really took away some of the benefit for a lot of folks, mm. uh, who are in mid twenty thousands for a standard deduction? Uh, if you've paid off your mortgage, um, you know it's difficult sometimes to eclipse that twenty some thousand dollar number. So being smart with your charitable giving, you know, maybe look at if you're of a certain age, maybe giving directly out of an IRA uh, mm. is a good move. Uh, appreciated stock to you know a lot of folks have appreciated stock in their portfolio that's a great way to give and just again planning being smart about how you do those we see that a lot that people maybe give to charity I'm not I'm not saying anything negative about giving to charity just from a pure tax point of view a lot of times you don't get the benefit that you uh, did huh I did not I didn't realize that interesting and to kind of piggyback off of that, bunching is a very important thing. Now that standard deduction is so high, if you can consolidate your giving into one year uh, through the use of a of a, a vehicle, either a trust or a donor advised fund, you can bunch all of your giving into one year from the point of view of what the deduction you get on your tax return, but actually spread that out over a number of years so that your giving pattern doesn't change from the charitable organization's point of view. The only thing you've done is optimized your tax situation. Mm. Another thing uh, is to not let the tax, not let taxes be the thing that drives your entire uh, thought process when it comes to wealth. Uh, I'm, I grew up in a very rural country, 
community, and uh, farming was a big deal. And the farmers would always go out and buy something in December so that they could write it off on their taxes. Needed it, not need it, didn't matter, but they didn't mind at all going out and plopping down $20,000 on a piece of machinery so they wouldn't have to pay taxes. And, you know, not realizing that the best they're going to do out of that is a 30% uh, reduction, so they're still out of pocket 70 cents on the dollar. So, huh. Uh, I think that's a common misconception because I definitely kind of had that mindset. I mean, I'm not a farmer, obviously, but <laughs> to, to buy that, spend that big money at the end of the year to get yep. a deduction. I just came from a meeting, from my meeting prior to this one. A gentleman client was looking to buy a van for his business and uh, was talking about it in terms of tax. And I said, well, do you need the van? And he goes, well, not really, but, you know, it would help me on my taxes. I said, well, how much is the van? It was 20-something thousand dollars. And uh, I said, well, you know, we, your tax benefit from that is going to be roughly five. Mm -hmm. So you're still out the 15 or so thousand dollars. Are you better off? Um, no, I'm $15,000 in the hole than I was when huh. I started. And I've got a van that I don't really need. Yeah. So Barry's point is, is valid that, you know, to be not just tax-centered in your thinking, but business-centered. Mm -hmm. And how, how am I better off at the end of the day? Whether it's paying a little more in tax, but having a little more in my pocket, that's not necessarily a bad decision. Yeah, yeah. Well, just another reason that it's important for your CPA and your financial advisor to kind of navigate you and guide you through those type of decisions. Yep, there's a lot of synergy. Yeah, for sure. So as far as financial planning, um, what are a couple tips that you would have for people of different age groups for what they need to do? Uh, well, there's a lot of different things that um, people can do. I, I think one of the most important things is just to have a plan. I mean, a lot of times we're just kind of living life, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, Brooke, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, in my case, uh, married with kids and the kids are in athletics and other, you know, other activities in school and my wife's a teacher. And so, you know, I think about how much we've got going on on any given day and the time, taking the time to plan is really not, uh, for most people, a top priority. So making that time, I, I think I heard recently that people spend more time planning their next vacation mm -hmm. than they do for retirement. So I, I, I mean, I think that, and it's probably true, yep. and we all understand why, right? I mean, we're like I said, we're just living our lives. So I, I think it's I think it's just having a plan and and sitting down, figuring out what you want. Yeah. Um, I, I think a, a, one of the real mistakes is people will read articles that say you need to have a certain amount saved for retirement. Like you need a million dollars, Brooke, if you're going to retire. And, and you might say, I don't know if I can do that. But we've seen folks comfortably retire with less than that. Mm -hmm. We know folks that it's a little bit harder and they have more than that because the lifestyle they want and that they live is going to be unique to them. So having a plan that's customized for you is really important. Yeah. And I'm sure you guys help with every every step of that process because everybody is different. I mean, if you have, you know, live on a certain amount of money, yeah, a million dollars might be totally realistic for you to retire. And I think it's also a little bit different in that I know like my parents generation, they, you know, we're retiring at when we're this age. Mm -hmm. My grandparents, they were all out, they were always so proud they retired. They both retired when they were under 50. Oh wow. And back then that was like kind of unheard yeah, of, wow. but they um but now I think people are 
love what they do more. Like, I don't have any specific age that I want to retire. Granted, that might change in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. But I think, you know, people don't necessarily need X amount of money by X date, you know. Well, I think it's changed, too, because yeah. you know, used to we went to work for a company. We might work for the company for the entire entire career. Sure. And we had a pension, and all this was sort of almost taken care of a bit. And now we tend to jump around to more uh, more places of work, maybe a career change even. Mm-hmm. And it's a little more on us to, to build our own retirement, which makes the planning all that much more important. Yeah, for sure. And that brings up a... a Something worth mentioning anyway, when you're talking about who you want to trust with your money, because it is a position of trust, there are investment managers and there are financial planners. And uh, investment managers do great work. We have some wonderful investment managers here in this town, but they have one job and one job only, and that is to make your money grow as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our job as financial planning financial planners is a bit more complex in that it's not necessarily so much how much money you have, but does your money make, does your money meet your goals? Mm. Uh, Have you developed your plan and do you actually know where you want to be at such and such a time? Who's important to you? Who do you have to include in your financial plan? Not only from the planning side, but from the, who's going to be the beneficiary side. Planning is just, it's just fun. It's building, it's, guiding a course to get someone from where they are to where they want to be. And it's really exciting. And to me, it's much more fulfilling than than investment management. Now, we need to be good investment managers because if we are not making money for our clients, then we're not really doing a very good job. Sure. But there's more to it than that. There, It's a little bit more nuanced. Yeah. Well, and it's more of a re- you're building a relationship with those clients and their goals probably do kind of shift and change, you know, as the years go on. It's it's interesting. I'll share a bad story on myself. When I first <laughs> when I first got into the the wealth management side of things, we're bomb, bombarded with uh, different products and different you know vehicles to to do this with money or do that with money. And and I would see hear something. I'd mean, man, that's a great. I, I think this person <laughs> would be perfect for this this type of investment. And I'd run to that person. I'd say, look here, what this is, and show him this, and how much you know, what, and all this type of stuff that could happen and it just that doesn't work and so i made kind of a 180 and we build the plan first mm-hmm. and figure out what what the goals of the client are at where they're at and where they need to be and then find the vehicle so yeah. i kind of had the cart and the horse backwards and it's a much better way to approach a client a much better way to to benefit a client yeah well, and I'm sure some clients want to be more involved, but I know for me, like, I know what my goals are, and I want you to handle <laughs> all of the confusing financial end of things. Not yeah. not my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it looks like you guys have a webinar coming up in May on tax-saving strategies. So do y'all, can y'all tell me a little bit about that? Every year after the tax filing season, we try to do kind of a lessons learned a little yeah. bit. What, what, this is what we can do better next year. Is that a little bit? You know, what did we see uh, this year and, and, and what maybe could you benefit in 2021 from what happened in 2020? We had done those live, but with COVID and, and those sort of things, we're, we're still sticking to the, the virtual type thing. So that'll be a webinar on the 25th. May 25th. May at 25th. six o'clock, I have a cheat sheet, and I believe, <laughs> and I believe the format's going to be kind of a, a 
Q and A. Um, yes, taking questions on our Facebook page. See, Brooke, you know more than I do. Yeah. So, I think that's so smart to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> my finance skills—they're not there. My ta- my tax skills are really not there. Like they don't teach you that in school how to do your taxes. I'm I'm lost on that. But um, I think this is great to do it right after tax season because if you wait too long. You forget everything. The pain is still fresh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sad but true, yeah. The pain for me was not as bad this year as it has been the last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, and then in July, back to an in-person seminar, July 13th, Getting Financially Organized. That's important, right? It says, stress limited seating. Limited seating available. <laughs> so do you all do this every year? We have typically done three live events a okay. year. Okay. And that second one is we've done uh, estate planning. Estate planning. Mm-hmm. We've done some uh, Social Security, mm-hmm. some Medicare, mm-hmm. different topics okay. that we think might be uh, relevant or beneficial to folks. And this year, that uh, organization uh, is always, you know, we, mm-hmm. we see tax returns every year that are the whole shoebox type uh, <laughs> oh, issue. Man. Uh, so we're trying to help out a little bit. That's, yeah. I guess there's maybe a double-edged, a double motive to that. that uh, yeah, I like it. The shoebox of receipts. Yeah. I don't save fun. any receipts ever. I hate receipts. <laughs> I know that's terrible. Should scan them. Do you, what do y'all do with receipts? I'm curious. We scan them. Yeah. We're yeah. A virtual. Our, we're pretty much paperless. Anything mm-hmm. that you bring us is scanned in. Yeah. So. Awesome. Okay, so July 13th, just a little more details about this one. Maple Chase Country Club, which is beautiful. It is. Do you play golf there? I have. (laughs) Um, Pre-registration can be found by June 1st, so this will air before a little bit before that's live, and it can be found on the Forsyth Family Calendar and on your website. Limited seating. Awesome. We'll also be shortly after the first of the year doing a a forecast of state of the economy, state of what we see happening in 2022. Can you give us a a brief little sneak peek of what what your predictions are? That 2022 is still too far away. (laughs) Yeah. uh, What about about this year, the rest of this year? All of the people that I listen to and read are calling for it to be a very good year. I was reading my Kiplinger letter last week and they're they've upgraded their GDP number from 6.2 to 6.6 that they're expecting for uh, 2021 by the end of the year uh, they're expecting that unemployment will be down around five percent which is certainly an improvement uh, everybody that's saying anything is pretty bullish yeah about about 2021. Yeah, I think it's uh it's we're in a grand experiment right now yeah. um, we've, we've not seen this much stimulus put into the economy um, ever. And so I, I think about I think about all that we're trying to do to keep the economy on its proper footing. And, you know, there's a lot of debates about whether or not it was necessary or are we doing too much or too little and 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 to try to try to quantify that is really tough to do. I think when you take someone's um, business and say you've got to shut down and if you take uh, folks that are working and say you've got to stay home, um, you got to help them out. And so I think they they've done the best that they could given the circumstances. The, they being you know our our elected uh, officials, our representatives, 
done the best they could in a really tough situation. But at the same time, it's created an experiment like we've never seen before. So yeah. you would think it would prop the economy up. But at some point, the economy itself, you know, our, our, our businesses have to be able to um, to produce and, and, and the goods and services that they do. And, uh, and so it's got to, they've got that economy has to kind of roar back to life on its own. This is just a temporary measure, but because it's been so large, it's, it's, it's hard to see a scenario where, um, where the economy doesn't kind of at least stay on a stable footing for, for, for a while. For a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not to say though, that they're, that the waters are completely calm. We've got, uh, we have a new administration in Washington and uh, <clears throat> they are by nature not quite as friendly to investments and to businesses as the former administration was. And there's a lot of talk about uh, raising tax rates and raising especially capital, especially taxes on uh, capital gains and qualified dividends. And if that happens, and it goes from rumor to fact, then I think that will have an effect on the market. So if you measure the strength of the, the health of the economy by the stock market, you will see you will see that reflected in some sort of downward pressure on the market as we go farther down to how do we pay this bill sure, road. Sure. Well, and I think it's normal. You know, that's how it goes. It's up and down. It's always going to be up and down. It's never going to never going to stay yep. flatline. That would just be boring. Can't, can't have that. <laughs> well, thank you all for coming to chat with me today. And like we mentioned, there is a webinar on May 25th at 6 p.m. Um, tax saving strategies. While the pain is still fresh, you can do better next year. Um, yeah, that's it for Canon Wealth Management. I hope you all have a great rest of your day. And tell us really quickly... Website, canonwealthmanagement.com. Canon dash. Canon. Oh, it's on my cheat sheet. <laughs> Canon dash wealth.com. You can find more about their team and see if you want to uh, switch over to them or learn more about them. Like us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, you'll find a little bit more. We try to post something daily about awesome. something that's happening on LinkedIn, especially. Awesome. And Kimberly does a wonderful job of keeping our Facebook profile fresh. Good deal. We got Find Canon Wealth on social media as well. And as always, you can find Forsyth Mags on social media, Forsyth, at Forsyth Mags on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. And all of our articles are always on our website as well, ForsytheMags.com. And that's a wrap for today. The views and opinions stated on this podcast are solely those of the contributors and not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting companies. This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without expressed written consent of Forsyth Magazines Incorporated. Ooh, that's a mouthful. <laughs>